Good evening, everyone. I'm broadcasting live. March 20th. And to cut my meditation short this evening. It's been a long day, lots of different things. I'm caught up in the. There goes my alarm. Yeah, I was doing uh, homework. Anyway, here on time. So today's quote is um, I think quite an interesting one. Let's see if we can get uh, 61. Nope. 61. Oh, yeah, okay. Yanjakoitang Vikave Vujati Chitang Itipi Mano Itipi Vinyanang Itipi This which is called Chitta sometimes, Mano sometimes, Vinyana sometimes. There's many names for mind. Tangratiya Chadiva Sasacha. That by day and by night. Anya Deva Upachati, Anyang Nirujati. Anya Deva. Upajati arises as one thing, anyang nirujati, ceases as another. <clears throat> one thing, one mind arises when another ceases. Sayatapi pikave makato aranye pavane charamano. Sakanganhati. When a monkey grabs a branch, he lets go of another branch. Tangmuchitva anyanganhati. Letting go of that one, he grabs another one. Eva meva ko vikave. In the same way, monks. Yangidang uchati chitang itipi, mano itipi, vanyanang itipi. That which is called jitta, that which is called 
mana, that which is called vijnana, tangratiya jadivasasacca, this by day or by night, and by night, anyadeva upachati anyangirjati, arises one, ceases another. It's a simple philosophy and claim, but it has deep meaning. You see, so science and, say, ordinary people have this idea of a substratum, most religions as well. So science is quite convinced that there is a substratum of reality. Religion is usually quite convinced that there's a substratum of mentality, the soul, the self, God. And so there's a lot of postulation of various um, substrata and so science cultivates substrata that tend to um, tend to accord with reality religion uh, often not but uh, religion also does a better job according with uh, mental reality sometimes than science Nonetheless, the tendency is to postulate substrata. Substrata means like a framework, like a mind, a body, a three-dimensional, four-dimensional reality that we live in. Buddhism doesn't do that. Buddhism has a very simple take on the universe that this moment is real. This moment is an experience. And then it ceases. And then this moment is real. And that's that moment. So when we talk about mind in Theravada Buddhism, we mean that moment of mind. One moment of mind. One moment of experience. One moment of awareness or of, of contemplation of an object, observation of an object, one moment of experience. And so if you ask the question, who's right? It's not really the appropriate question. Scientists tend to scoff at Buddhism as being overly simple, simplistic and They'll say, okay, well, maybe, you know, you, you're, you're right, but you haven't said anything about reality, you know. You haven't figured out subatomic particles or you know, how to build an atom bomb. Or have you explored the vast reaches of the universe, the solar system and the galaxy and the known universe and done any you haven't really explored reality. 
We can say, no, no, we haven't. Or the question is, to what end? The question of all of this is, to what end? Um, religion makes all sorts of claims about reality. And we can ask, what is the result? I mean, if it were if it were useful and and positive to delude yourself and uh, make claims about reality that were not uh, in accord with reality that 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 had no evidence they were not based on evidence if that were somehow beneficial <coughs> then uh, and there wouldn't be much of a problem most religions would do fine but because they tend to not relate to actual experience and, and, and reality. They tend to rely more on belief. They tend to be quite artificial and stilted or, or forced. I mean, if you step back or say you step out of a meditation course where you've been studying your own mind and, and you know, what's really here and now and then you contemplate one of these religions pick any religion at random and you contemplate what they're actually saying you just it's it's shocking how how absurd it all is you know what are you talking about you know, what, what is this uh, garbage you know, really I mean so much belief you know there was this guy he said this he claimed this he did this and he will save us or there's this god up there and all i have to do is pray or repeat his name or chant this or chant that and he will save you So they run into lots of problems and I think wise people would tend to stay away from most of the religions out there because they tend to be not very much, not very closely aligned to reality. But science, science does a good job focusing on reality, aligning itself with experience. So they, they are able to run experiments that actually accord with the way things are, but they've got a different problem. And we can argue about what is more real, the substratum of physical and, and even maybe mental reality, let's say physical reality, or, or experience. You know? Which one is more real? <clears throat> we can argue about that, but it's not an important argument. Again, to what end? What has science given us? What has it brought us? It's brought us all sorts of magical, wonderful things like the internet. Right? The fact that I'm able to talk to people all around the world, it's kind of magical. It's brought us all this. Very powerful, this kind of knowledge. But has it brought us happiness? Has it brought us peace? Has it brought us understanding? And, and I mean a specific, I'm thinking of a specific type of understanding, really. 
Has it brought us to understanding of ourselves? No. No, people who study science get angry, become addicted to things, they have a hard time dealing with ordinary experiences, and so they suffer. They stress. They kill themselves. They drown their, soak their brains in alcohol or drugs because <clears throat> they can't deal with ordinary reality, right? study reality so much but can can't deal with it and then you have this Buddhist let's say a meditator who focuses on their reality who looks at their experience and when they have emotions they see them as emotions when they have pain they see it as pain and experiences of seeing or hearing is they see them for what they are they, they put aside any theories or thoughts about a substratum about reality they go here i'm in this room they even lose track of being in a room they just see the mind arising and ceasing the mind arises is aware of something and ceases and immediately there's another mind but it's totally different it's a whole new mind, a whole new experience. And they see this. They're able to see the see a reality or a way of looking at reality for themselves. <clears throat> that leads to objectivity. They're, they're able to fully comprehend reality, I guess you could say. Because science, you can study it, but you can't fully comprehend it. You can't look at the wall and, and comprehend that that wall is made up of mostly empty space. I mean, to, to make to give an example, but moreover, you, we're not able to comprehend all those things. I guess I would say it's not even worth, wouldn't even be worth it if we could. And in fact, our comprehension of things is part of the problem. Because when you abstract, when you think about concepts, you have when you think about entities, you have to abstract them, right? You have uh, this mouse, right? What happens when I think of this mouse? There's something going on in my mind. There's an experience, and there's an experience which says there is a mouse in your hand, but it has nothing to do directly with the 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 experience of seeing the mouse, I think the seeing and the feeling that created it. It's all in the mind at that point. There are minds arising and ceasing, leading therefore, 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 one to the other. And, and I'm not aware of that. So there's a reality that is being, being ignored because instead I'm focused on the idea of the mouse. So there's, there's something that I'm missing. And as a result, when likes and dislikes come up, I miss them as well. So I like the mouse or I dislike it. And that's what leads to frustration and addiction and so on. So it leads us attached to attach to things and people and experiences and leads us to get frustrated and upset and bored and 
disappointed when we don't get what we want. So when we pay attention to that, if I, as I'm picking up the mouse, I pay attention to the experience and then the thinking and the judging, <coughs> then I am in a position to understand and to see the experience clearly and to not react or, or to understand my reactions and to see how they're hurting me and to slowly give them up. This is an important, it's an important, un, important quote to help us understand our, where our focus should be. Our focus should be on experiential reality. This is what the Buddha talked about. So here, what do we have? This whole sutta is interesting. The uninstructed worldling, Buddhujana, right? A suttava. Asutva bhikkave putujjano, an uninstructed putujjana, might experience revulsion towards this body. He might become dispassionate towards it and be liberated. Oh, he might even be liberated. Because growth and decline is seen in this body. It is seen and taken up. Hmm. Huh. Okay, he's saying might be liberated from the body. Because the body is is revolt is easy it's easy to see it's revolting as you get old and if you get sick and so on. It's it's possible for ordinary people to let go of it. But the mind the mind we are unable to let go of. It says the ordinary uninstructed worldling is unable to experience revulsion towards it, unable to become dispassionate towards it and, and be liberated from it. Because for a long time this has been held by him, appropriated and grasped thus, this is me, mine, this I am, this is my self. This is myself, this is mine, this I am. This is what we think of the mind, right? I mean, who doesn't think the mind is me and mine? <coughs> the body we can let go. When the mind is pleased or displeased, that's me, that's I. Tasma tatra sutva putujano nalang nimbinditum nalang virajitum nalang vimuchitum. I was using interesting words. Revulsed. I guess revulsion isn't really the right word either. Nibida is not revulsion. It becomes disenchanted, becomes dispassionate, becomes liberated. That's probably the But it would be better to take, uh, this is an interesting, this is a, a famous one actually, because it would be better for the uninstructed worldling to take the self as the body, take the body as self. 
because the body is is seen standing for one year, for two years, for three, four, five, or ten years, for twenty, thirty, forty, fifty years, for a hundred years, or even longer. But the mind and mentality and consciousness arises as one thing, and this is the quote, and ceases as another. The mind is flighty. The mind arises and ceases quickly. And and this, this is really what I'm talking about, is the body appears to be a thing, right? If you think about the body, it's understandable that you would cling to it, but how can you cling to the mind? This is a different, the Buddha is exposing a different way of looking at reality from the point of view of the mind. Because from the point of view of the mind, even the body arises and ceases. And then he says, Tatrabhikave Suttava, a learned Aryasavako, disciple of the Noble Ones, Paticca Samupadam Yeva Sadukang Yoni Somanasikaroti. Well, with wisdom, considers Paticca Samupadam the dependent origination iti imasming sati idang hoti thus when this exists that comes to be with the arising of this that arises iti imasming sati idang hoti imasupada idang upajati oh yeah okay when this arises, there is that. With the arising of this, that arises. He must mean asati with the non-existence of this. Hidang nahoti, there is not that. He must niroda imang idang nirujati with the cessation of this, that ceases. Yadidang, that is to say. Avijja pachaya sankhara, sankhara pachaya vinyanam, and so on. This is a paticca samapada dependent origination. And so what he's saying here is this is how experiential reality works. You study in terms of cause and effect. There is ignorance. Because we're ignorant, we give rise to our partialities. We like some things, we dislike things, we chase after some things, we chase away some things. Because we don't see things clearly. As a result, we're born again and again. And we, anyway, it leads to suffering. I won't go into detail with that. The important point is that we look at reality from the point of view of our experiences. If you do that, there's really nothing. You, you become invincible. There's nothing that can um, gain power over you. Whether it be something pleasant that you want to, there's no you, there's no thing. You see it, if you see it as an experience, it arises. There's something that upsets you or, or frustrates you. That thing is just an experience. You see it arising and ceasing. You see the experience. What does it mean? It's just an experience. You see the frustration, you see the upset arises and ceases. You stop hiding, you stop running, stop 
living in conceptual reality with things and people and places start living in reality the true reality which is your experience start seeing what's going on underneath that uh, chrome plating of, of beautiful things and desirable things and ugly things and scary things underneath it's all just experience anyway there's the quote for this evening that's the dhamma for this evening now as usual i'm going to put the quote i'll put the link to the hangout up if you would like to join and ask a question you're welcome to click the link only if you have a question and only if you're in a respectful like no coming on naked or smoking or drinking alcohol or uh, eating food you should consider this to be a dhamma hangout scare everybody away You can go, Vanessa, if you want. All right, nobody with burning questions leaping to be to join the hangout. And I think I'll say good night. See you all tomorrow.